Welcome to season two of the Melrose Place cast. I'm Mary, and I'm here to convince my friend Teach that Melrose Place is a trashy, trashy soap opera, and that's perfectly okay. Uh, I'm Teach. I'm here to convince my good friend Mary that this show counts as high art for the generations, a time capsule into the future, and the future is now. The future is indeed now. And you know what's great is this is not a recap podcast because we're too busy having all these intellectual debates. Yes, we highly recommend that you pair us with your rewatch of Melrose Place. It will um, enhance the artistic integrity of the show. Mm, I guess that's one way to put it. You know, I can't believe we've made it to season two already. How far along are we in the grand scheme of things? Uh, we're about uh, 11%. That seems lower than I would like. Well, there's the seven seasons, plus the reboot season. Oh, God. Uh, this season had the lowest number of episodes. I guess that's forward to. And we only had five special episodes in season one, so season two is going to get longer. Oh, boy. Buckle up. Hi there, and welcome to the Melrose Placecast. Today, we're talking about Season 2, Episode 14, Strange Bedfellows. Hmm. I'm Barry. I'm Tej. We don't start with hi there. I changed it up. Uh, today, we did. Hi there, partner. Hey, howdy. Mary, this was, this, was another, this was another good one. Melrose Place is on a streak. It is on a streak. There's a lot going on. Uh, I got mad at some things, but that's uh-huh. good. I'm having a reaction. How about yep. you? I, you know what? Listen, this was a humorous one. I loved how they approached video dating and the losers that patronized that. <laughs> and, um, you know, I'm intrigued by by what's happening with Billy and Allison and Amanda and Jake and Joe. Really, everybody. Everybody. <laughs> what about Matt? Oh, wait, he wasn't in this one. He wasn't. He's got baby doubtfire. They just, Melrose Place just needs to drop a lock and key in a bowl when they arrive. What? <laughs> Do you not know about this? Swingers parties? Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You get a lock, you get a key, and then you walk around and see who can unlock your key or unlock your lock, and then whoop, they're your partner. That's nice. <laughs> so I've heard. So you've heard? <laughs> no, genuinely, that's true. <laughs> That has not been my experience. All right. If we could shift gears from hi there and locking keys Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to, um, I'd like to give you just a quick preview of the, the, the vicious argumentative skills you're up against today. Are you ready? Oh God, I'll brace myself. I have three good quotes. First one. Actually, maybe now is a good time to talk. (laughs) okay i have i'll teach you but i'm sure you're a natural (laughs) all right and uh get over it partner Mm. that's what i got i like that one do you think you're going to be able to handle this uh this sickening rhetoric i mean i'll do my best that's all i can do right that's That's all all you can do well, I would like to start with, actually, maybe now is a good time to talk. <laughs> good, good. I like the sounds of this one. Yeah. So here's what we have happening in Strange Bed- Bedfellows. This is about Michael and Jane and Sydney, who somehow are still in a love triangle. 
<laughs> yes. Yes. So Jane took Michael back, which is inevitably going to lead to the end of her relationship with Robert. Okay. Yeah. Uh, spoiler alert if you're stupid. <laughs> Clearly that's what's, that's what's coming. Oh, of um, course. Yeah, of course. But, you know, they're in the apartment, Michael and Jane. And Jane is trying to draw clear boundaries. Michael keeps asking questions about who she's with, what she's doing. And she says that Michael is here just because of his condition. Uh And Michael says, wistfully, I'm aware, Jane. Believe me, every day of my life, I'm aware. (laughs) Mind you, divorce was finalized two months ago. (laughs) So maybe, maybe calm down with it every day of my life. (laughs) Oh, Michael. Anyway, Jane leaves him alone in the apartment. And uh, just like Jane's nightmare, Michael falls when trying to get to his wheelchair and he's stuck on the ground. Because I don't know how I've missed this. He's paralyzed? Yeah, he was paralyzed last week. That's why he's in a wheelchair. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. Come on. That's why they sent him to the rehab facility. (laughs) I think, you know, I knew something was wrong. But look, paralysis doesn't go away in a month. I knew something was wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know? Do you remember in Glee when the the blonde one who is not Leah Michelle that ended up on Scream Queens when she got hit by a semi truck because she was texting while driving? No. So she was also in a wheelchair, just like Artie. I think Artie was the name. And um, that lasted a month. And then she was out of the chair. Well, I mean, spoiler alert here. We know Michael will also be out of his chair before too long. So, And into someone's bed. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> anyway, Michael falls. So he's stuck on the ground. And he's yelling, calling for help to all of Melrose Place, right? There's. Can you hear that barking dog? Very, very vaguely. I'll go kick it if you need me to. Yeah, just go kick it. Kick it. Anyway, okay, I got it. I dealt with it. Anyway, Michael's on the floor and he's calling for help. And then uh, apparently Jane left the door unlocked. No, Sydney had a key, right? So Sydney unlocks the door with the key. I don't know. And we come in and they go for this really dramatic, like, scan up from her shoes up to see who she is. As though we think it's anyone but Sydney. <laughs> Everyone else is at work during the day. <laughs> and Michael is explaining uh, from the floor, like, get me off the floor. And Sydney's not immediately helping. And then he says, plainly, get me off the floor. And she crouches down like she's talking to a toddler. And she says, actually, maybe this is a good time to talk. <laughs> so she, she tried to blackmail Michael before. Mm-hmm. And that he'd, she'd make her life difficult if he didn't keep sleeping with her. And that worked for a little bit until it stopped working. Now she's trying to blackmail him just in this moment of, I will not get you off of the floor unless you agree to let me back into your life. And I just think this is the weakest case of blackmail I have ever seen. And I followed the Trump administration. <laughs> because I, there's no reason to believe that he'd do anything other than say whatever he needed to say to get back out of that, back up. But I, I guess that's Sydney's plans to, to be evil and to get Michael in. And this is why I think it's high art for the generations, Mary. Okay. Okay. So picture it. Sydney, she's she's about 22 in story, right? Sure. So imagine, like, she's the kid and he's the adult. That's what they're going for. So she's like five and he's like 35. And 
the kid just wants something really bad, like more video game time or an extra story or cuddle time with Mr. Puddles. <laughs> and the parent is like, it's bedtime. It's good for you. And so the kids always wait until the parents are really super tired, busy, or annoyed. And then they come, they lunge at us with their like <laughs> list of demands that they're going to protest for until they get them. And that's what Sydney reminded me of. And I think Melrose Place was really trying to show, uh, kind of playing fast and loose with Sydney's age a little bit, was really trying to show that as parents, we have to draw a harder line with our children than we're wont to do. Otherwise, we're going to end up with some insufferable prostitute. Oh <laughs> well, that is a a very uh, interesting interpretation of that scene. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, is, I, is it what you interpreted it to be? No, I was actually going to talk about how this was a trashy soap opera moment. Come on. <laughs> um, but I enjoy well, the interpretation. Uh, I, fi- I find it enjoyable. Good. Uh, good. This, <laughs> this may surprise you. I did not have an end in mind for that sentence when I started it. <laughs> Well, should I just launch into why it's soap opera then? Is yeah, that- and, I, and I may have to give you this one, but I really I really thought just the attempted blackmail was, was good. <laughs> it's all the leverage she has. That's all she has. That is all she has. You're right. You're right. Well, I called mine. Sydney and Michael found a good time to talk. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> I won't cap the whole thing, but yes, he's. I like that he was in his sofa bed and he was kind of melodramatically tossing magazines and books like overboard or like he was frustrated and he sees this bowl of fruit across the room. And he, like you said, he tries to get up and get in the chair, but he kind of lines himself up all weird and like perpendicular to the chair instead of parallel. And he pushes the chair. So it rolls away and he falls flat on his face. And I shouldn't laugh at that, but I did. Uh, <laughs> Mary. It's, it's Michael and he's such a little shit. Uh, and he calls for help. And at some point, the phone got knocked on the floor. Maybe when he fell, I wasn't totally clear. But you can hear, like, the phone doing the beepy thing when the line is, like, not in service or whatever. And like you said, he keeps calling for help. And eventually, Sydney comes in. And uh, she she really just starts walking around and paces. And she's like, you know, I just wanted to be there for you in your time of eat. And all you were was cruel. And you said some terrible and horrible things to me. And Michael, of course, is just, he's kept saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And, you know, she she says, you don't understand. You really hurt me. And he's just like, I'm having a muscle spasm. <laughs> he just wants <laughs> And, like, he's like, you know, the only thing that'll make me feel better is if you let me back in your life, Michael. It's, it's only fair. We should at least be friends. And, of course, like you said, Michael has no options. And he just goes, yeah, yeah, friends. I swear. Yeah, we're friends. And she goes, I knew you'd see it my way. And she kneels down again and gives him a little kiss on the forehead and gets this crazy, creepy smile. And she says, let's get you back into your comfy bed. And I just, this is one of my favorite scenes of the whole episode because I think uh, Michael's fall was handled so well. And uh, the, the physicality of Sydney in this scene and how for once she is the physically dominant person because she almost never is because mm-hmm. she young and petite and small and usually weaker than whoever she's dealing with. And I loved the way they had her pacing around him, not really in an overtly threatening way. Like I didn't think she was going to harm him, but just, I liked that she got that little moment to kind of be in control of something. 
And her little creepy smile at the end was just delicious and devious, and I really enjoyed it. it very soapy. It was okay. Okay, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Did you not get some misery vibes while she was pacing around him? <laughs> Maybe I really didn't. Yeah, they won Emmys, Mary. That makes it art, high <laughs> art. Wait, misery won Emmys or Melrose Place? <laughs> Definitely misery. I don't think Melrose Place has won any Emmys yet. Oh, that's true. There's still time. Listen, uh, Grant Show has is on record saying he thinks they should reboot Melrose Place with all of the actors in their current age, and that that would be some really groundbreaking stuff for Hollywood to to have people in their sixties live <laughs> I living that way. I would totally watch that. <laughs> You know, it reminds me, my parents, um, several years ago, about 10 years ago, they moved into a condo complex with this gorgeous pool courtyard in the middle. It was an indoor pool, but it was like open air atrium design with a, um, uh, like a, a roof window. What do we call those? Roof vents? A skylight? Yeah, those. Yeah, like huge. But whatever, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it looked, it reminded me of Melrose Place when I walked into it. Except everybody there was super old. So, like, for activity, they would walk laps around the pool, right? Yeah. So, but I remember saying, this is, this is like Melrose Place, but none of the characters ever left. They all just aged in place. And that (laughs) is what Grant Show is suggesting we do. Oh, my God. And look, I'm here for it. I would watch that show. I would also like to know if they have any openings at that complex, because that sounds like my kind of place. Like... It, it, no cats allowed. Oh, no cats allowed. Yeah. What if I sneak them in? No, Mary, you can't do it. Let oh. me tell you, these old biddies paid attention to the rules. <laughs> my, oh my my nephew, my nephew uh, who used to visit Grandma and Grandpa there, said he got in trouble once for smiling too loud, <laughs> which I think was an exaggeration, but I can't tell because these people were they were. <laughs> they had the condo rules printed out. Their grandkids oh. printed them for them. Well, that's good. You want to make sure you're abiding by the rules of the complex. Yes, as was the case in Melrose Place with uh, Joe's hazardous chemicals. Yes, yes. Sydney's need to pay rent. <laughs> now, if if only Amanda had thought to put a "Please don't murder people in this pool" sign out, yeah. it would have been a very different show. Yeah, she should have thought ahead a little bit. Well, can I tell you my next point? Yes, please. (laughs) This quote comes from Celia, who is Billy's nemesis partner at work. (laughs) Frenemy. Yeah, yeah, we'll go go with frenemy. Um, I find it odd because I didn't... One, we had Cameron. I don't know why we replaced Cameron. I know, Cameron was the best. Yeah. I think they wanted to say, like, maybe Billy is having a flirtation at work, but that's clearly never going anywhere. Anyway, here's what happened. Uh, Nancy, the sexual harasser, um, the the cover story or the lead for the next edition of the magazine fell through. And while they need more experienced writers normally to write it, they need it written in four days. Uh, she's going to rely on Billy and Celia to work together. And Nancy has already taken the liberty to sign them up for video dating. So yeah. the sexual harassment has not stopped. <laughs> she's she's learned nothing about boundaries. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you could 
I, I don't know if you could do this without like having the employee agree to it, but I don't know how you would do that without a, like coercing the employee to feel like they had to agree to it either. I don't know. Well, Mary, I'm glad you mentioned that because if you go check your work email right now, uh, <laughs> you will see that I signed you up for a grinder account. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, it, it's just for research purposes for the show. For the show. Well, thank you for sending that to my work email. Yeah. Well, I wanted to make sure you would get it. Yeah. 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 And and I didn't know if your Hotmail already had an account, you know? Oh, that Hotmail has been active since 1997, and it's not going anywhere. Get it? Hotmail? Oh, I got it now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so Billy and Celia have to work together, even though they're frenemies, on this video dating project they're both supposed to go on dates celia literally says you actually want us to go on a date with the losers that frequent these places <laughs> or that that utilize these services whatever yeah. um and billy is talking about how hard of a time he's having with it because he's still so hung up on allison and it's, it's not that she left him you're a liar yes it is it's that she left him for someone with so much more money yeah okay maybe um and she says, okay, can I give you some advice, Billy? And you think we're going to be in for this sweet, touching moment where she says, if you're a great guy, I've been admiring you ever since I was smoking at your desk. <laughs> Maybe Allison's a fool for letting you go. No, what do we hear? Get over it, partner. This is my big break, too. Get on the date. <laughs> Get to dating, boy. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, what is is high arts what Melrose Place was trying to demonstrate. Now, some um, closed-minded people may say what they were trying to do is just come up with some dramatic tension to put these two on goofy dates. <laughs> some, some may say that. But I think the, the true aristocrats among us um, would see that they were demonstrating the limit to human empathy and that... Celia was demonstrating that she could be a kind and compassionate person. She would listen. She would offer advice. But when push came to shove, you better not interfere with her work, with her big break. And as evidence that this is what Melrose Place was doing, Mary, because I think I, I hear some skepticism in your silence. <laughs> what? I would say, look at how frequently Melrose Place has taken female characters and made them ambitious at work, take no prisoners and do whatever it takes to get ahead compared to the male characters of whom I can't think of any that take that approach to work. No, Michael not... and Matt certainly take their work seriously, but none of them would sacrifice a relationship. Um, no, I don't think so. No. Or, or otherwise just be rude to someone over work. No, but Matt. The, the female characters I... would. Yeah, I guess the so, only I can recall that any of the men showed much ambition in their career field was when Billy lied on his resume, get his, which is not admirable. So, I'll give you that. Okay, there's that, but, but it's so, Billy, so we're not we're not going to go too far down that road. But this no. is why what they, this is what they're doing with Celia, Mary. They're not having her just play a part in a typical trope now with the added twist of video dating. That's not what they're doing. They're trying to say, look, you expect too much, an unfair amount of compassion 
from women. You're asking women to carry emotional burdens that is not acceptable or appropriate. And we as a society have to stop because it is unfair what we're doing. We have to fix it. We have to come together and balance this part of the social gender inequities that exist in the 90s. And here, let's demonstrate what that looks like. And it's Celia being a bitch to Billy. (laughs) Bitch used in a non-sexist term for the record. Don't come for me. Um, I don't know if Com- I, that was compelling there. argument. It is a compelling argument. Uh, I do. I, I don't know. I, I, I appreciate your argument. I don't know that that was an intention, but I do like that. It's an effect of it. I like that Celia is being played, not as someone just there to really feel better or to talk about his feelings. Like, she has her own agenda, and her agenda is perfectly reasonable in the context in which she knows Billy, which is professionally, and it is not her job to sit and say, oh, I'm so sorry your girlfriend broke up with you, blah, blah, blah. She's like, oh, that's too bad. Okay, get back to work. <laughs> yeah, is... worry about this later. Yeah, yeah. So, no, I, I like I like that dynamic that's been set up between them. Um, you know, if I hadn't seen the show before, I would also suspect that this is being set up like there's there's some sort of romantic tension building, but I don't think it ever goes there. Does it? I think it kind of just evaporates and like Celia has gone at some point, but I can't remember when. Listen, I didn't think when Celia first showed up, I was surprised they were giving a walk on character so much time. So yeah, I don't think she's around for long, <laughs> but Robert's also here longer than I remembered too. Yeah. yeah Do you know a- part of why we're having that experience, Mary? Why? When we watched this season together, IRL, um, we watched three or four episodes a night. Oh, that's right. So it didn't. It didn't last long. No, it probably did warp us in many ways. Yes, many, many ways <laughs> to be watching it. So- <laughs> well, those are my first two arguments, Mary. The emotional blackmail uh, mixed in with age dynamics, as demonstrated by Sydney and Michael, and the the call, the clarion call by the Melrose Place writers to fix gender stere- gender dynamics that were so broken in the 90s have i won the day yet i i think you've done an admirable job but no oh all right oh mary i'm gonna come back after the break and i'm gonna i'm gonna swing for the fences i think that's what that phrase is yes yeah <laughs> you know you know what usually happens when you swing for the fences what you strike out it's why people don't usually swing for the fences I was never good at swinging at the fences. I usually would accidentally let go of the bat and hit someone with it. So the less accidentally, time- uh huh. <laughs> this week's episode of the Melrose Place Cast is generously supported by the following sponsor. What's the matter, Tiger? Your small talk a little rusty. Do you think all the great women are taken, usually by rich jerks? Do you think women aren't interested in you? They're just interested in your credit rating? Does dating from the male perspective suck? Did your last girlfriend make you feel like everything is replaceable when something shinier comes along and leave you with nothing but a pen? Never fear, Tiger. It's not you that's the problem. It's everyone else. You should sign up for Mate Matcher. What? You think only losers patronize these places? Oh, no, no, no. They're people just like you. Do you think you're a loser? No, not you. Are you the type of guy who lied your way into a writing job? Are you 
crashing on your friend's couch in your underwear eating cereal all day? Are you spending your Saturday night falling into a pile of garbage with a sexy lady and then immediately running upstairs to have sex with her, even though you both literally just got covered in garbage a few minutes beforehand? Then you're definitely mate matcher material, Tiger. The best part is you won't even need to put on your clothes or get off your couch to film your video testimonial. Oh, oh. This took a turn. That's right. When you sign up for Mate Matcher, we'll deliver a video camera and tripod that you can set up in the comfort of your own home. You don't need to disrupt your day going to a studio or some green screen. You can stay right on your couch eating that bowl of cereal as you make a case to all the losers. I mean, clients, clients, not losers, (laughs) about why you're the most magnificent catch that you think you are. Why get all dressed up when your goal is to let the ladies see you in your underpants anyway? Jeez. Visit us at matematcher.matcher and enter promo code not loser and you can get $17 off your first month's subscription plus a free matematcher can koozie. That's right. Matematcher will help you take all your to completion. So, I, I am so excited about matematcher as a sponsor. Um, I feel like that's a service that's been missing from our suite of sponsors. So I'm glad they're here. Mary, do they use a a special algorithm to kind of make the good uh, matches? Oh, yes. You may have seen some of our work on television and how great we are at making these matches. Uh, Yes, we we analyze the data. We we use some proprietary technology to listen for keywords in your testimonial that you'll film on your couch. Right. And we try to match you up with people who use similar or complementary keywords. Can you um, tell me the keywords that match uh, with Heather Locklear? Yes. For that, you're going to want uh, words like daddy, um, (laughs) words like ambition and career minded and things like 20 pound turkey in the oven because she likes to cook large turkeys. Uh, You know, Porsche. Porsche will also work. (laughs) Porsche sometimes doesn't start, though. No, that's it. That's true. That's true. Ideally, we would try to place Amanda with someone who knows how to fix a Porsche. And so, you know, we would listen for those words. The key is really to listen. So, okay, let me make sure I understand. So the key for you to, is for, to listen or for me to just listen when I'm doing my recording? <laughs> I think the key to everything is listening at uh-huh. all. Listen constantly. It's- Can you tell me more? Yes, yes. I think you can pick up on a lot of information. For example, let's say you're out on a first date with someone and Uh they're really asking you a lot of questions, hoping that you'll answer them so they can listen to those answers. And they're hoping, you know, maybe you'll ask them some questions before you get up and call them a gold digger. (laughs) Well, are are they being a gold digger? You're going to have to listen and find out. So tell me our promo code again, Mary. Oh, great. That promo code is not a loser in all caps. And again, you will get $17 off your first month's subscription to Mate Matcher plus a free can koozie. A free can koozie. Has anyone, any one person in the history of the world ever purchased a can koozie? <laughs> Why do companies keep doing this to us? It's because they give them that they're that way you don't ever have to purchase any because you get so many. That's a good point. Well, Mary, I can't wait to call to go to matematcher.matcher and enter promo code not a loser and say, 
daddy Porsche <laughs> and uh, get a chance to meet Heather Locke there. I really hope that works out for you. <laughs> Mate matcher, take all your dates to completion. <laughs> I can't believe Celia said it that way too. Uh, it's it's a lot. <laughs> Hi there, <laughs> and welcome back to the second half of season two, episode 14 of the Melrose Placecast. Uh, we are discussing strange bedfellows. I am Teej. I'm still Mary. Mary, I'm very wet. Oh, <laughs> sorry. It's raining. It's raining. I was walking out in the rain. This is why you should just stay inside. Well, here I am. A lot of good that does me now. <laughs> you should have asked me ahead of time. I could have told you. Just just stay inside. That's the way to go. Stay in with the cats. Stay in with the cats. If you don't have cats, you can still stay in, though. That's fine. It's better with someone with... else's cats. Do you, like, are cats a necessary component of your plan? No, you don't have to have cats to stay in. It makes it better if you do, but you don't have to. <laughs> well, good. Mary, I would like us to continue this this hot debate. I want to know, did you find any trash that you haven't mentioned yet? I literally found trash. (laughs) Uh, This is going to be a long one, and I call it bitter. Billy literally ends up in the trash where he belongs. Also, is he an incel now? (laughs) What? What? Plot twist. Uh, Okay. There's a lot. This this is going to be a long one. Just buckle up. Um. Uh, Billy as an incel. Yeah. Yeah. He's got he's got some Did you watch the episode to the end, Mary? To, uh, the end is when it changed. Okay. End... Okay. All right. I'm with you. Go ahead. So, uh there's there's fallout from the Alice and Billy breaking up last week. Uh and so early on we see he is for some reason out in the street while a crew is dropping off a new Jeep from Steve for Allison. Uh I don't know why Billy was outside, but he points the delivery guy to Allison and he says, yep, I remember when you wouldn't get rid of your old car because it had too much sentimental value. But I guess everything's replaceable when something shinier comes along. Ooh. Later, uh, after you mentioned he's gotten an assignment at work from his sexual harasser boss to do <laughs> video dating service, we see Billy, who right now is technically homeless, who is crashing with Jake, sitting on Jake's couch in his underwear, eating a bowl of cereal, watching video dating tapes. Uh, and talking about how other people are losers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Mary, that, just so you know, that sounded real judgy. <laughs> good, good. Uh, so th- I will admit the first lady we see on the tape seems like a drag. She's talking about how premarital sex is bad and she just she doesn't look like a lot of fun. He fast forwards to the next lady who's wearing a fringed leather jacket and says her all-time favorite thing to do is square dance because it's fun, it's social, and it's a good workout. And I go three or four times a week. Some guys think it's geeky at first, but the time I'm through with them, they're just as hooked on it as me. And sidebar, why didn't he pick Square Dancing Lady? Because she looked a lot more fun than the lady he did go on the date with. And also, she's clearly into physical fitness. And as a former ballroom dance instructor, let us not forget season one and Billy's job as a ballroom dance instructor. Wouldn't you think he'd be up to learn some new dancing techniques in case he needs a side job? I don't know. You never know. Yeah, I think he should have picked her. Diversify that resume, Billy. 
Uh, Jake walks in because, again, he's living with Jake because he's homeless. Billy explains that he's watching this for work, and he fast-forwards again, and the next woman says things about how any man she's with has to love her Cocker Spaniels because they're just like her babies, but he also has to like to go to malls because she loves to shop. And Billy says, there it is, that proves it. All the great women are taken, and as you say, usually by rich jerks. And I'm like... (laughs) Okay, this that was a bit of a stretch, but all right. Okay, you're you're having some feelings about Allison and Steve, and that's fair enough. Uh, we see him at Escapade, and this is the conversation you mentioned when he's talking with Celia about his breakup, and he says, you know, it was bad enough to lose Allison at all, but to have it be this guy who's rich and has a ranch and fancy cars, and he said, if that's all it took to replace me, what did I really mean to her in the first place? I'm like, well, that's a fair question. And then, as you pointed out, Celia's like, great, get back to work, which was the correct answer. Uh, we finally see Billy go on his date with a fellow video dating client slash loser, as he calls them. And she's <laughs> talking up a storm. She's like, what kind of stuff do you write? And, you know, oh, I bet that pays well. Like, are you from Los Angeles? And tell me the Reader's Digest version of your life. I want to know all about it. And he says, but well, not too much, but not too much. Yeah. And he's, he's from the Valley, but he lives in Melrose now. And she's like, oh, that's a great neighborhood. And the homes really keep their value. And he's like, well, I'm not a homeowner. He asked if, she asked about his parents, and he's like, well, why do you want to know about my parents? And she's like, I'm just curious. And he says, well, you've been curious about five times to my one so far. And she goes, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Okay. And she's like, well, what kind of car do you drive? And he says, I don't drive a BMW, so we should just cross me off your list before I waste any more of your time. And she kind of is a little taken aback, and she's like, well, I'm just I'm making conversation. Like, I believe you can tell a lot about a person by the kind of car they drive. That's all. And he's real bitchy. And he's like, give me a break. You're not interested in me. You're interested in my credit rating. Like every other woman. Well, like Mary Smith. Mary Smith. And literally, again, flashback season one, Billy had been sent to a collections agency for a student loan he didn't need to take out to go on ski trips. So let's not talk about credit ratings, Billy. Uh, He goes on. He says, all you women say is that you want real relationships. But as soon as a guy with big bucks comes on the scene, you're gone with the wind. Maybe it's obsolete, but I'm looking for a woman who just wants me from me. And his date justifiably makes a series of what the fuck faces. Uh, <laughs> he gets up and he throws money on the table and says it was nice meeting her and he leaves. And I wrote, does Billy realize he's not the hero of this scene and that he's actually being a massive dick to this person who he no. just. Wait uh, a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> no, he was not. Yes, he was. He was so rude to her. <laughs> she was gr- He was correct. She was grilling him about how much money he makes. She may very well have been, but well, that's a rude thing to do. But at least she was trying to make conversation. He was just sitting there, like he didn't do anything. He was just like he sitting- did not want to be there. Well, nobody wants to be there. Like nobody wants to go on a first date. It's horrible. <laughs> She's at least trying, and this woman like is at least making conversation with him at worst her crime was being annoying that's her worst crime and he was like you're a gold digger and all you want me for is money i don't know it seemed a little excessive and it seemed like if he hadn't just been through the breakup with allison due to steve he never would have said something like that to her at worst he would have said that was a crappy date and moved on but whatever so what really what really drives this point home uh, so he goes back to the office for some reason immediately after his date. So I'm assuming it's like nine o'clock at night. Celia, for some reason, is also there. And she's talking about how her date was a real lughead. It was some football player. And she's complaining, well, he took me for burgers and fries into the arcade. And then he got mad because I beat him in air hockey. And I'm like, 
Well, you seem like you're kind of a bitch too. Just like Billy, did you say what you wanted to do for your date? Or are you just complaining that he didn't do something you want? I don't understand people. Um, Billy is silent and she starts talking like someone from a, like a Dick Tracy movie. She's like, what's the matter, tiger? Is your small talk rusty? I'm like, who talks like this? No one talks like this. Celia. And he says, well, yeah, there was small talk on my date, but quote, three minutes into the date, I left her at the restaurant after I pretty much called her a gold digger. That was, so we basically saw the whole date. There was no preamble. Yeah. That, so he, he cracked that fast. So clearly, I'm sorry, it's on him that the date went poorly because he didn't even try. Celia's confused and she says, let me get this straight. You didn't take your date to completion. Yeah. (laughs) Celia learning the the tips of sexual harassment from Nancy. (laughs) She's a, yeah, she's mentoring. She's being mentored by Nancy. Billy just shrugs and she goes, well, terrific. What are your 500 words going to be about Einstein? How to ruin two journalistic careers in three minutes or less. I'd like to point out here that my notes about this scene alone is more than 500 words. And I'm not a professional writer. So yeah, fuck 500 up. words is not hard. If you, I mean, I don't mean this to sound elitist. If you've been to college, you've had to fake a paper for when you did not read the text. <laughs> we're talking two pages. You can't yeah. fake two pages and not say anything yet barely two pages for 500 words it's a joke and so and billy like, words billy's words billy, so they're small they're short and monosyllabic uh and he says well don't worry about it i'm gonna do something and she says well, you better because this is my big break too and i'm like is this really a big break it's escapade magazine it's a thousand word article between two people i wouldn't exactly call this like pulitzer prize winning material you're putting out and it's he's the first feature article it's a thousand words like Literally, my notes for this episode are probably like 10,000 words. <laughs> like, that's insane. Which well, is you, like, you may be doing the episode wrong. <laughs> Maybe doing this all wrong. That's fair. Uh, so Billy, you know, she says you're a serious journalist wouldn't be letting their screwed up personal life get in the way of their deadline. It's unprofessional and it's selfish. And he pouts and he says, well, selfish seems to work for everyone else, including you. So maybe it's time I tried it myself. And he says, I'll write about what really happened, dating from the male perspective. It sucks. And he grabs his ugly leather jacket off the back of his chair and he whips it around him like a drag queen and he stomps out. (laughs) 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 Finally. What a swerve to work in drag. Oh my goodness. It's just for you. And finally, so like the last scene of the episode, Billy is back at the complex. He's carrying out the trash to the cans which have somehow moved back to the bottom of the stairs outside of Amanda's apartment, even though they've been gone for a while. She is also out there trying to pry the lid off of a can. Yeah, uh, was that a problem back then? I guess, I don't know. I don't know that we ever had metal cans when I was growing up. I felt like we mm. had early on. We were early adopters. <laughs> but, uh, also, I'd like to point out, this is like a pile of trash. Like, clearly the yeah. trash... It hasn't been picked up for a few weeks or like something's been going on at this complex because there's just trash everywhere. Yeah. She needs getting the lid off. Uh, she's snapping at him. And so he he can't pull the lid off either. And she's teasing him. Well, at least it wasn't just me being like a weak woman. And he says, well, that doesn't help my self-esteem. And she talks about how she's just gone through a complete betrayal for someone that, someone I cared for deeply. And then he says, well, I've got you beat because I screw up at work. And now the love of my life has deserted me for money. And they each grab opposite ends of the can and they both yank on it. And then the can flies open and they both fall backwards into the trash heap laughing. And so he gets up and helps her up. And of course, they start hugging and then they immediately begin kissing. And they're making out hardcore. 
They go up the stairs, which again are right next to the trash heap to Amanda's apartment. Uh, Billy is a very sloppy kisser. He's having a very hard time finding Amanda's mouth for some reason. It's like when she's they, a small woman. It's like when they put peanut butter on a dog and they wanted to lick somebody. Oh it's just ridiculous. Yeah. So, and then they get upstairs and like they start like ripping off each other's clothes and they're on the couch and they fall off the couch and like you guys were literally just in a trash heap and so like I guess you took off your clothes so like most of the trash is off of you but you were both just in a trash heap. Good God. Um, I just wanted to throw this entire storyline in the trash. Um, oh, this. Like, again, Billy has every reason to be having an emotional reaction to what happened with Allison and to be pissed off at her and to be in a bad mood. That is totally reasonable and totally fair. But he's taking it out on everyone around him, especially these women he doesn't even know. He's being misogynistic. He's being gross. The stuff he said to the woman on that date and calling her a gold digger was way out of line. He was being an asshole. And his job was to take the date to completion. He didn't do that. (laughs) And it's also, as a sidebar, it's a little difficult to take all of his newfound class warfare all that seriously because he is like the picture of a privileged little white boy who grew up in the suburbs who literally took out student loans so he could go on a ski trip and go to keggers. So I don't want to hear it. Also, last okay. night, who has that hard of a time kissing Amanda Woodward? Find her mouth. <laughs> okay, so the class warfare thing, that strikes me as real because, yes, he's privileged, and you're correct. He took out student loans that he did not need just to go skiing. His parents justifiably were like, but we paid for your whole college, all of your college, right? <laughs> but yeah. uh, from my experience, that's realistic. Because people that are th- are that level of privileged uh, never recognize it. And they really seem to believe that uh, theirs is a justified existence, right? And that they're the put out ones. Mm, okay. Okay. So, so I think that's fine. But I think Billy was right. I think that woman was being awful on that date. <laughs> that's fine. I, I will allow for that. I will again say, however, her, at her worst crime was being annoying. That was she, the- was she kept pressing him for how much money he had. I, maybe, but even then, it, it wasn't that bad. He could have at least attempted to re-steer the conversation. Also, he picked this woman off of a tape, so he has some agency in this. It isn't like he just got matched up randomly with a person. So what did he see on the tape? He could have brought it back to like something she talked about on the tape and at least made an effort. He just called her a cult digger and left. <laughs> no, he, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was so confused because and I'm appreciating hearing your perspective because when I watched it clearly we were supposed to be mad at Billy and the way they shot it but I was missing something because I was like that woman is being awful she's being <laughs> awful she, okay she wasn't great she wasn't great but like it still to me it didn't justify the de- calling her a gold digger like you just literally he spent three minutes with her like give somebody a, a little bit of grace and a benefit of the doubt because maybe she's nervous too she's on a like essentially a first date with someone she's just babbling i think she might not even know that that's how she's coming across and so or she he, knows now i guess that's true i guess he made so that he did her a favor <laughs> oh god <sighs> billy Billy, Billy, you know, the trash sex was so weird <laughs> and it made me think like, okay, you know, this is the, what Melrose Place does. Two people in relationship are pulling apart and one takes a step and then realizes she wants to or she or he wants to go back, but it's too late. 
because the other person is moving forward, right? And Allison had felt rejected by Steven, was going to go back to Billy, but now Billy is hooking up with Amanda, which of course is there. There could not be a a better way to push Allison away than that. Yeah, that's your right. But Billy is fully aware of what Jake is thinking about Amanda, and this is some shady bullshit that he's doing. Well, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, that's real shitty. Yeah, he knows what Jake did and what Jake went through and how Jake's feeling about it. God, he's but, even worse. He's even hold worse. Hold on. <laughs> I, was, I, I was just about to be there. And then I think, okay, maybe he's doing Jake a favor too. Because remember, Jake wants Amanda to get over him. I guess. And Billy thinks sex with him is the way. <laughs> uh, God, Billy. Oh, he's the worst. It's just such a reminder that Amanda doesn't belong with Billy. I can't, I don't know why they reminded us about that storyline that introduced her. They're just not on the same level. Oh, God, no, no. Like, the fact that we've had... No, Amanda had to fall into a trash heap to hook up with him says everything. Like, <laughs> that's, that's where that went. <laughs> oh, <sighs> What? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so here was my last uh, high art argument for the week. Oh, yeah. And it has to do with, um, okay, so Jake is setting up Palmer Woodward. He's cooperating with the FBI, as we suspected. It's been verified, right? Mm-hmm. So he knows, like, it's about to go. This is about to get real. And he knows Amanda's going to hate him once he, once he does it. And turns out he was correct. Yeah. But the guilt of it is getting to him. So Amanda calls him at work, where he's, by the way, a mechanic. So... <laughs> It's, it's not like he's just always by the office phone. No, no. He's by a car, I would think. But he answers, and Amanda mysteriously and insistently says, I need to meet you tonight at the corner of Melrose and Levine. Or Melrose yeah. and Nine? Where was it? I don't know. Melrose and something. I don't Melrose know. and Larkin. Okay. Yeah. I just want to make sure to get that right. Yeah, let's write that down so we can use it later in an ad. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, just meet me there at, what, 10? Was it 10? It was late. Yeah, it was, it like- was late. It was super dark. He doesn't know what's going on, whether Amanda's onto him, whether he's being set up for a hit. You know, like, yeah. his mind is going everywhere. Mm-hmm. And Amanda won't tell him anything about what's happening, which I thought was so weird. And again, clearly they wanted us to think Amanda's onto something, onto what's happening with Jake. And she's, she's not, because he shows up. And do you remember what he showed up for, Mary? Yeah, I think I do. Yeah. Amanda said, surprise, I'm taking you on a ski trip. I needed you to come to Melrose and Larkin because the travel agency has pictures in their window that I needed you to see. Yeah, that's Now, right. it's 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> Let's go inside and pick out some skis. <laughs> it's one of those all-night ski shops in Los Angeles. <laughs> they just, you know, they can't... They, some businesses in downtown Los Angeles are just so booked with ski boot fittings during the day that they have to go to extended hours. <laughs> There's just so much skiing going on. People love to ski in LA. You know, that's why people move to LA for the snow sports. <laughs> Those snow capped hills. Oh shit. We're going to get so many emails from LA people about just an hour outside of town, blah, 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 blah. Bullshit. I've been to an hour or I've been to LA an hour away from your house, you barely get to Starbucks. Traffic <laughs> sucks. You're not driving an hour anywhere and getting to mountains. Not <laughs> happening. You will not be able to convince me otherwise, even with a map. <laughs> even with a map. Yeah. Sorry, I'm not I'm not accepting evidence. 
But I find that a lot. That's fine. So Amanda says she's taking Jake on a ski trip. And Jake says, I've never been skiing. <laughs> of course he hasn't. I mean, it's Jake. Like, Yeah. Yeah. So she says, it's okay. I'll teach you. And by the, besides, I'm sure you're a natural anyway. So this is this is the high art point that that I thought Amanda captured with this um, arrogant sense of like, yeah, you can be a natural at something like skiing. No, you can't. Your body doesn't naturally do that. It's not a normal condition. It's certainly a learned behavior that anyone can can pick up. And maybe Jake as a surfer, uh, we know only from the surfboard that's in his apartment. We've never seen him use it. <laughs> Maybe more conditioned than most for snowboarding, that I would buy. Yeah, maybe with the balance and stuff, yeah. But no, someone who's just learning to ski, you can't presume they're natural, which is fine. But, and here's the thing, sister, I'm talking to Amanda calling her my sister. Mm, okay, okay. If you're going to go on a ski trip, those are not cheap things. No. That is not the time to find out if the person likes or is able to ski. You need to know well before you put the deposit down that this is something they're going to want to do all week or you're going to be so mad that you spent $5,000 on a ski trip just to have them sitting inside drinking hot cocoa like you're on an episode of Frasier. <laughs> That's right, B. <laughs> Listen, you can't, you can't just presume that because you learned something as a child, which is what I assume about Amanda Woodward, that someone else as an adult can pick it up. It is harder to learn these things as an adult than as a child because as an adult you know about things like medicare or medical co-payments and <laughs> crutches you you know all these things that as a child they don't mess with you did i ever tell you about when i learned to ski <laughs> uh yes but please our listeners have not heard this one I but it, is, it is definitely the little ski hill where i learned to ski right <laughs> Well, yes, I technically I learned to ski twice because I went once when I was in middle school and I had never skied before and no one was really teaching me. And I spent the whole day falling down. And then one time I got up on my skis and I went down the hill and I went right into a barbed wire fence, which is something you <laughs> have to ski hill. And then later in life, I was uh, out in the Rocky Mountain area and I went with a few of my friends who had also never skied. And we were that time assigned an instructor who looked just like Curly from City Slickers and had the same attitude. And he hated us because we laughed a lot as when we would fall down. And he would be like, this is no laughing matter. <laughs> but I will say he was, he was a fine teacher. And by the end of the day, I was able to go up and down the hill multiple times, the bunny hill, until I tried to go on the tow rope. And I fell over the tow rope the wrong way and they had to shut the whole thing down. It didn't leave a mark, though. Listen... <laughs> the first day I learned to ski, I went my with my son. We learned at the same time. He was four and I was not four, right? <laughs> so he was great. They had him up on the chairlift literally within an hour. Oh, my God. By the end of the day, I was still so shaky. The person who was teaching me said, you know, I think we'll take him up on the, to or up on the chairlift. And um, no, I'm sorry. One of the other instructors said, why don't we bring him up on the chairlift? And the person who had been working with me had this look of horror on her face. Like, no, that, let me tell you what we're not going to do is put this one, this one up on the real hill, not going to happen. And that would be, that very well could be Jake's experience. You can not just say, I'm sure you'll figure it out. He could no. hate it. Yeah. He might not like it at all. And Jake is the kind of guy too, where if he 
gets up there and isn't good at it, he's probably going to get embarrassed and feel emasculated because he's oh, not- he's going to be a cranky little bitch. Yeah, and then we're, he's going to just go off and pout, and like even if he is drinking hot chocolate, he's going to be pouting while he does it. It reminds me of the ski season, the ski episode of Frasier. That's why I referenced that. Where do we see any of the characters out on the slopes? Nope. We just see them inside the lodge. Where? Oh. Where? Somehow, there are no children. Take me to that ski slope, please. <laughs> please. If someone's listening who runs a ski slope, we just gave you a million dollar idea. Yeah. If there, if there are any adult ski hills. And not adult with like, you know, that, not that kind of adults. You know what I mean? But like. No, just, that's what I mean. Oh, never mind. I stand yeah. correct. Yeah. Call me. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's start something new. <laughs> I just think, you know, I know you have to wear particular clothes while you're skiing, unless you're not wearing clothes. A clothing optional ski hill. That's <laughs> the future. <laughs> it's, it's time. It's time. <laughs> Oh, my God. Oh, well, you know what? I'm glad you brought up this scene because I I feel like we're not talking a lot about that whole plot during this episode because there were so many other things. But uh, that did make me laugh when she was talking about how I'm sure you'll be a natural because as an adult who tried to learn to ski, I can tell you that is not a sure thing. Nope. uh, it It was also just a nice little moment in the episode before the shit hit the fan for them around the Palmer thing and... Are you are you going to talk about how the shit hit the fan? Is that your final point? No, no. Do you want Do you want to just quickly tell everybody what happened, including the 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 I'd say the oddly sexual scene where Palmer Woodward rips open Jake's shirt? <laughs> Who hasn't wanted to rip open Jake's shirt? Uh, yeah. Well, we can briefly cover that. Yeah. So Jake has been tapped by the FBI uh, in the last episode to help. Yeah, get the, the FBI tapped him. They tapped him real good. Uh, <gasps> Sounds dirtier when you say it. It really does. Uh, and so J- Jake has been uncomfortable with this, and he thought it would be over after he provided some papers from the drawer. But now they wanted to wear a wire. And so we see Jake go and complain to Billy about this. And Billy, who is an idiot, is like, just tell the FBI I quit. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> and Jake, who's dumb, does exactly that. And then the agent's like, you, no, you can't do that. And he's like, if you do that, your fingerprints are all over this because that's how Palmer set it up. So, like, you have to help us finish this uh in jake's defense has there been a job he has not quit <laughs> that's true he either quits or they burn on down so <laughs> the first um so he he ends up doing it he wears the wire and he goes in after hours at the shop one night and he's talking to palmer about the thing and we obviously know right away what's going on and soon palmer figures it out too because he asks one too many specific questions and like you said, Palmer just like rips his shirt off and he sees the wire and he goes, you son of a bitch. And he says, I'll crush you. And then the FBI people come in and arrest Palmer. And uh, The FBI people who were right behind a wall <laughs> with no doors. <laughs> That's true. So That's Palmer true. Woodward. So he's, Jake starts kind of saying like, I want to know what's going on. And Palmer says, how much is it going to take to keep you quiet? Right? Yeah. And Jake says, I don't want money because Jake... He, <laughs> He, he's never re- had an opportunity to receive cash that he hasn't pushed his push back on. <laughs> he and does. he says, I don't want money. I just want to know. I want to be a part of it. What is going on? And Jake says, you're selling these as originals, aren't you? And Palmer says, get the man a cigar, which I thought 
not specific enough. The FBI needs a firm explanation based on all the things I know from Law and Order. <laughs> sure. And so Jake asks some more pressing questions. Palmer is answering them. And then Jake has one more specific one. And Palmer starts to suspect that Jake's wearing a wire. So he just goes and rips open Jake's clothes, which even before the Me Too era, you could not just do that. <laughs> like, what would have happened if Jake wasn't wearing a wire? How, how is daddy going to explain that one to Amanda? Daddy. Oh, God. <sighs> well, daddy. I, oh, daddy. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Amanda runs to Palmer's side after Jake runs into her in the courtyard. He kind of tries to explain what's happening, but she just gets mad and runs to go bail out daddy. Uh, Palmer, once he's out of jail with her, he's spinning a yard about how it was all Jake's plan and Jake set it up. And, uh, you know, you just can't trust anyone. You can't trust any of these men you date. How much do you know about anyone you date? And he's gaslighting her like hardcore and Amanda falls for it. And, Later, we see Amanda walk up to Jake's door and she basically evicts him. And she's like, get get out of here. I don't want to deal with you anymore. The charade is over. And Jake's pushing back. He's like, let me tell you like what actually happened. He's like, I know this is hard for you, but like the FBI has a case for a reason. This has been going on for a long time. And she's just like, get out by the end of the week or I'm throwing you out. And then eventually we see her by the garbage cans with Billy. And that's how that happens. I think Amanda needs to attend a landlord laws class. <laughs> feel like she has <laughs> right not not so far well mary did you have a third argument to make i have one more i'd like to touch on and i call it for allison and steve the feelings are quite mutual until of course they aren't again uh this storyline irritated me almost as much as billy's just for the record why so, oh my god so so oh god so Allison has there's a meeting early in this episode where Steve announces that he's leaving for six months to go to France to set up the new European division and Allison is caught off guard because it's the first she's hearing about it so after the meeting she approaches him and he's like basically I'm just going there because that sounds like a good, good place to get over someone I'm like you've known each other for like three weeks like you also never dated really so yeah. uh and she's upset but even then she doesn't spill the beans about her and Billy breaking up for some reason I didn't really understand why also, it seemed weird to me because the last time we saw them in the last episode was at their Thanksgiving thing, right? I think that's the last time we saw Allison and Steve. Yeah. And that was all smiles. They were in the hotel room. They were eating. They were flirty. So did something happen off camera where he, she told him, like, no more or what? I, I, it was weird to me why he suddenly decided right now is the time to leave for six months. But whatever. Okay. So... Eventually, she after she gets the Jeep from him and they go out to dinner. Also, it seemed weird that he bought her a Jeep when the last yeah. time then it was when he said, I'm leaving for six months. So it's like, why would you buy her a Jeep and invite her to dinner now? It made no sense to me. But anyway, they go to dinner. Uh, at dinner, they're flirty. She tells him that she broke up with Billy. And then he says, let's go away for the weekend to my ranch. And just we won't be distracted by anything. And so we see them in her new Jeep again. Jeep must have been a sponsor for this week's episode because it was in it a lot. Uh, they go to what he calls his outdoor think tank. And I was just like, shut up, Steve. Shut up. And he goes here whenever he used to think or make decisions. And he was there last week and he was having what he calls like a psychic vision of his future with her. And she says, I, she's like, you know, I don't really understand because we're so different. Like you have everything. What do you see in me? And she says, I'm not even into your money. That's the part that matters least to me. And you're so... Lies, lies, <laughs> lies. Billy is right. That's a lie. <laughs> 
and she talks about how he's got all this drive and life experience and interest and he's funny and sexy and Steve goes the feeling's quite mutual and he wants this true partnership with her he wants to live and work together he wants to have a life outside of work and a family and she kind of makes yeah. it but we won't talk about that yet till later in the season uh he tells her that he loves her yeah red flag again they've they have this seems fast and then he leans in and kisses her and she kisses him back and there's sexy guitar music later that night uh allison tells or steve tells allison i hope you don't think it's hokey i just happen to have a thing for candlelight and jazz i'm like oh st- shut up again steve uh he starts getting touchy-feely kind of like he did when joe came that time and they start making out and he lays her down on the bed and she hesitates and she says you know what? i'm sorry this is going a little fast he says, well, that's fine. Let's go watch a movie or play Scrabble. We'll do whatever you want. And she says, you know, I came here because I really thought I wanted to be with you. But sometimes it takes getting away from what you really want in order to realize you want it. And I just wrote, what the fuck? And she said, am I, say, am I making sense? And Steve goes, unfortunately. She cares about him and he's wonderful. But, you know, Billy. And she didn't mean to leave Steve on. She's just confused. And she's, it's just not fair to go from one relationship to the other. He says, "Well, I guess I'm calling my travel agent after all." And he walks over to the- <laughs> he's snuffing them out, and she says, "Well, I should probably head home." And he turns around and snaps, "Yeah, you probably should." And fair enough for Steve at this point. I I think it's fair for him to be upset in this moment because she has been so hot and cold. Like none of this makes any sense. Um, then she asks if he'll drive her home, and he says, "Well, no, I gave you a car." And she says, "Well, no, I can't keep the car." And he says let me ask you something. What does Billy have that I don't? And I said, fair question, Steve. Ooh, oh, but not in response to, I gave you a car. That, that is the one thing where I was like, Ooh, don't put those two things so closely together. <laughs> and Allison says, well, I feel I still have a commitment to Billy. And I just wrote, yeah. what? I'm like, since when? Like you broke up. Like also, also you had a commitment to Billy. Every time you've been to the beach for your outdoor think tank, when you were there with Keith, <laughs> when you were there with Steve and I feel like I still have a commitment is not the ringing endorsement for I want to get back to you. Not I want to be with you. I made a mistake. You're you know, you mean so much to me. It's so important for us to be together. No, I just feel like I still have an obligation. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'll fulfill my duties. (laughs) It's like being signed up for the Columbia Music House Club back in the 90s. It's like, well, I have an like I I do got to pay for those CDs at some point. I paid 13 cents. I have to follow this through. Look, Asa Base isn't making that music for free. No, they need to get paid too. And I just, listen, this storyline at this point is such a mess. It's all over the place from week to week. They love each other. They don't love each other. We don't see what is, is there stuff that's supposed to be happening off camera that we're not seeing? Like why it's so hot and cold. It makes no sense. There's no consistency. I'm like, check, please. Let's exit this already. I hope this is the end of Steve because enough, like that's enough. It's, I thought, here's the part that I thought was realistic, a, a portrayal of real life. Mm-hmm. The, a huge part of the attraction for Allison and Steve was that they could not have each other. And then once they could, I thought they did a fantastic job of acting out the making out to be unnatural and pained and not right. Oh. And I think they were trying to demonstrate this was you know, the American parable of, I did that on purpose, Uh, parable of um, 
be careful what you wish for. No, you might just get it. The grass is always greener. I don't know. Mary, I can't, I can't, I can't make an argument actually. <laughs> and that's okay. You don't have to. That's okay. Like, I, I think, I think this is just, it's spent. Like this thing with Steve, like it's enough now. Like, I don't know where else they could take this. I, in my memory, I think this is done. I hope it's done. Cause it's so, it's been so inconsistent how they're into each other and not into each other. And there doesn't seem to be a rhyme or reason. It seems like this whole plot with him has been invented just to get her broken up with Billy. And there's better ways they could have done that. I, it, I don't know. This hasn't been handled well. You know, right. But the, the, at that particular age that they're all at, things don't always make logical sense. You know, love is love, man. It's okay. not always logical. You just got to live in the moment. Yeah, but they don't even live in the moment. Like, like I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm glad it's presumably done. I hope it's done. Well, Mary, did you have any other highlights that you would like to uh, hit, cover? <laughs> I had a few little things. I liked in that scene in the beginning when Jane was making Michael breakfast and she was trying to establish boundaries. And he's like, well, Jane, the last thing I want to do is cramp your style. And she pulls toast out of the toaster and puts it on his plate. And he kind of makes a face. And she's like, what? And he says, I like mine a little more burnt, remember? And she kind of looks at him. And she doesn't really glare, but almost glares. And she grabs the toast and puts it back in the toaster. And I'm like, well, this is a metaphor for how he's going to just keep working you for the next couple months. Because like, if that were me, I'd just be like, well, the toast is done. Enjoy. <laughs> yeah. Or you can reach the toaster. Yeah, he could reach the toaster. Oh, my God. Uh Allison's hair in this episode is terrible. Um, I don't, it, it was kind of like this last week, but it was worse this week. It's like they've been volumizing it and blowing it up and teasing it away from her face. And, but something is off about it because it just always looks greasy. And it's like when someone wears a headband for too long and then they take it off and their hair kind of sticks up weird. I don't know. I don't know. Because like Allison's cute, but this hair is not working for me. Um, Amanda, after, <laughs> this is one of my favorite moments. Uh, so uh, uh, Allison and Steve were at the meeting at D&D &D, and that's when he announces he's leaving for six months and Allison follows him out and then he leaves again. And Amanda comes out and she says, huh, really let that one slip through your fingers, didn't you? <laughs> she just followed right after her. She was like, boom, let me let me be here just to rub this one in for you. It's so mean, but it was really funny. Um, we need to talk about Jane's outfit that she found in the back of her closet and which should have stayed there. Uh, <laughs> holy hell. I remember this from when we watched this cause we made a lot of fun of it. It's this sage green blazer or trench coat. I, it wasn't. Let's it wasn't, call it a, a trench blazer. It was a trench blazer. And it has these red bedazzled buttons all over the collar flaps. Like I think my grandma had something like this that I remember her wearing to someone's high school graduation party. And then it's covering this, it doesn't exactly match, but it's almost the same color green. And it's this floppy, floppy blouse that doesn't fit her well. And it's got some kind of weird pattern on it that I couldn't make out. It looked like maybe it was like dancing ladies or something. I don't know. It, it's insane. It is an insane. Dancing ladies? Yeah, it's like like dancing ladies. Like they were in little dresses and they were dancing like, like maybe like mariachi dancing or something. I don't know. It was weird. Uh, I paused it many times to try to get a good look and I never could quite get it clear on the screen. Uh, anyway, Michael looks up when she walks out and he smiles and he says, didn't I get you that outfit? And I said, Michael, don't, don't take credit for this. No, don't do that. Uh, 
Jane's like, yeah. Of all the terrible things she's done to Jane. (laughs) This was one of the worst. And she's like, yeah, I found it at the back of my closet. And she's like, I'm heading out. I'll be back at lunch, but I've got plans. So I won't be here long. Michael asks, where are you going? And she gets mad. And like, we have separate lives. And he says, what if there's an emergency? Shouldn't I know where you are? And she's like, fine. Okay, I'll be at Citrus, which I guess is a restaurant. And he says, with who? And then she gets mad again. She's like, well, you don't need to know. And he says, well, what if I call there and the reservation isn't under your name? And she says, describe me to the maitre d'. And I said, you know what? Given that outfit, they could find her. They could find her. <laughs> like, right? Nobody else that's in the restaurant. Holy hell. Uh, and one other little scene that happened, we haven't really touched on this because it was very brief. Jake, after the stuff with Amanda blows up, um, he goes into shooters and he bumps into Joe. And Joe is kind of playing pool and hustling like she does. And after she finishes a game, he goes, hey, do you want to shoot a game? And she's very melodramatic and declines and goes, we already have played a game. <laughs> I was like, oh, God. Yeah. And, and what's that about? Because just last week during Thanksgiving, Jake said, I could always talk to you. And she was like, I'm still here. Yeah, that's right. I don't know. And then, oh, my last little favorite moment. So when J- Jake walks into the bar and he comes up and starts talking to Joe, he says, where are all the regulars? I don't recognize anyone. And I was like, well, Sandy went to New York. Rhonda got married. Puppies at the beach. Matt's probably at work or folding Michael's laundry. <laughs> and where's Sydney? Oh, we know where Sydney is. She's on the clock. Oh. <laughs> uh, did you have anything else? <laughs> did you say clock? Oh, yes. To be clear, I said clock. <laughs> okay. You just want to enunciate into the microphone. Otherwise, I could edit out some letters. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, did you have anything else you enjoyed? I, You know what? What really stood out to me, the one thing I'll highlight, is how weird it was that Jake spilled everything to Billy. Yeah. I would not have done that. Look, if I was an FBI informant, say they came for me trying to crack an arson ring, and I had information, <laughs> I might insinuate in a way so that my friend could pick up on it. But I wouldn't yeah. ever tell someone so plainly that uh, I'm recording these conversations and publishing them on the internet. <laughs> hmm, let me read between the lines. <laughs> I think that's a really good point. I I guess in the context of the show, I guess it makes sense because like he needs to talk to somebody and call Billy, Stella. He should call Stella. Oh, didn't oh she hasn't called Sandy. Nobody has Sandy's number. She's gone. She's just gone. <laughs> What about Rhonda? Yeah, and Rhonda, Rhonda, I feel like, would have gotten along well together. Sure, they seemed like they spent a lot of time together. Oh, Um, yeah. (laughs) I I mean, you're right, though. Billy is, like, the last person here. Because Billy has never kept a secret once, has he? Or was that Allison? I blend them together now. but No, Billy, remember Billy went and told Amanda, like, yeah, uh, here's what happened with Keith. She doesn't want you to know, though. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he's the worst. Yeah. Uh, well, this was a real barn burner. I mean, a lot happened. Again, like I said before, I do appreciate that a lot is happening. Yeah, and it happened so fast. One thing I have to remember is like, as people were watching this in real time, yes, it was just, well, it wasn't always just one week because there were holiday breaks and things like that. But everybody's entire life also happened in that week. So when we would check back in with them, it would seem like more time should have passed. And I think that's why when like, they start dating and three weeks later they move in together. Yes, in real life that doesn't make sense, but it would make sense in the, the form of a, a weekly episodic um, high art 
documentary on mockumentary maybe is what we would call it on uh life in la <laughs> documentary <laughs> is that wrong no it's perfect yeah yeah well, well Mary, one more week i think we'll need at least one more week to settle this i suspect you're probably right oh god <laughs> bye oh my god we clocked in at 45 minutes we gotta stop oh god <laughs> bye I apologize in advance if this is bad. If that means it's going to be great. I have a whole thing planned in my mind. <laughs> <clears throat> this week's episode of the Melrose Placecast is brought to you by... It's me, Sammy Salami, your waste management expert. <laughs> I'm here to tell you about our new service. It's called Humpster Dumpster. <laughs> yeah, Mary, I got to tell you about it. It's all the rage. Okay. <laughs> we know you're busy. You're in your 20s. You're living in L.A. You're taking all your trash right by the pool. You don't recycle. You don't even compost. Just banana peels wrapped in plastic. <laughs> You're spending so much time on this trash pile. You barely have time for foreplay. Oh my God. <laughs> maybe, maybe the charges against daddy are making him not the aphrodisiac he used to be. <laughs> oh, poor daddy. Then you're going to need humpster dumpster. Oh my God. <laughs> when daddy's too criminal to make you horny. You're going to get a set for a special ordered humpster dumpsters. Here's the thing, Mary. The lid is too tight on the can. (laughs) Euphemism implied. (laughs) That's a real problem. You're going to, in order to get the lid off of the can to put the trash in and the recycling in and the compost in, you really should be separating those by now. You're going to need a partner. Mm. And you can you can call a friend. You can call one of your little girlfriends. <laughs> or you can call your ex-boyfriend. I don't care. I don't judge. I'm Sammy <laughs> Salami, your waste management technician. <laughs> That's very open-minded of you, Sammy Salami. And as you're working so hard to get the tightness of the lid off of the can... With your boyfriend. Suddenly you'll start to notice you're having some feelings. My God. It's not an accident, Mary. (laughs) We spray the cans with a special scent. Oh. It gives you a little randy. (laughs) That's especially impressive given that you're working around garbage. We call the scent Daddy. Oh my god. Yeah. It's this new thing. (sighs) I think the hippies in LA will like it. Oh god. So if you're too busy for both trash maintenance and foreplay, 
Bring them together with Humpster Dumpster. <laughs> Tell them that me, Sammy Salami, your waste management technician, sent you. Oh my god. This is one of the most groundbreaking services I've ever heard of in in my life or as a podcast sponsor. I'm thrilled that we've, yeah. we've yeah. left this as a sponsor. Um, my goodness, like, how long has this Humpster Dumpster program been in existence? It's been going strong since 1992. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. Mostly in the Los Angeles area or has it expanded? I, I've never heard of it. I'm ashamed to admit, but I'm no. incredibly compelled. Los Angeles. And we recently expanded to Austin, Texas. Those <laughs> whores love us. <laughs> oh my God. I have always heard about the good people of Austin and how much they enjoy uh, garbage maintenance and, uh, yeah. And and uh, and rendezvous, if you will. Uh, wow, wow! So this, I, I'm I'm fascinated and and truly intrigued by this. Um, God, I don't even know where to begin. Are is there is there a website or anything people can check out to get some more information? Like, do you have any like tutorial videos available? Or yeah, yeah, uh, we had some tutorial videos, but they got taken down when. Uh, when they did that crackdown on the porn hubs. Oh, oh, I could see how that might happen. That's a shame. Um, it is. Oh my gosh. I feel like this seems like it would appeal to all ages too. I mean. Nope. So nope. listen, we, Not- there's no website, Barry. I'm just a waste management technician. We operate on word of mouth. Operate <laughs> on word of mouth. Yeah. Oh, so we're, we're trying to put the word out there with this podcast sponsorship. It's free, right? I mean, I'll have to talk to my my uh, my coworker, but I think in this case, I would be glad to make an exception because Good. what a, what a remarkable uh, service you seem to be offering. I like that it promotes people taking care of their garbage hygiene as well, because you know some people, as we've seen, sometimes people aren't great at getting their trash out in a timely manner, and They're this really compel people to get out there on garbage night and really get things taken care of. Get into it now. There's just one more thing I have to tell you, Mary. Oh, okay. Mary, the people are not recycling. <laughs> They're oh. not recycling. They're not they don't reduce, they don't reuse, they don't recycle. It's almost like they don't respect. Oh. That's but a real- picture it, Mary. <laughs> you got a pile of trash, you gotta put it in the can. Yeah. You tug, you tug, you're tugging with your partner, and then boom, you go flying like an explosion. <laughs> you land on a bag of trash. Yep. There's a, it's a low chance, Mary, but it is not a 0% chance that you can end up reusing a condom. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, so we do a little bit for the earth. That's really, really meaningful, especially, you know in this day and age, let alone back when you began this program back in 1992, you Uh know, it also occurs to me that some of these people might be reducing and reusing their partners from uh, previous relationships or just from the previous episode, which is also really a great ecological tool that more people should be trying out. Mary, the first clients we had is one apartment complex in LA. Oh yeah. So many sluts. 
sounds like you chose well then for your that's how we knew to go to austin oh my god (laughs) i can think of a lot of communities in my surrounding area that would also benefit from this so i'm excited to see your project growing mary it's Uh, tj can you please name those communities thank you (laughs) i'll i'll send you an email later Uh, okay that sounds good mabby well, wow, this is what what a catch for the Melrose Place cast to get in on the ground floor 30 years after with this amazing service. Humps the dumpster. Humpster. When daddy's too criminal to make you horny. Oh I really hope that as, as you get your footing after these 30 years, that eventually when you get yourself a web presence, you should be selling T-shirts because people would wear them. Humpster dumpster. Humpster dumpster. Yes, yes. Does it need the tagline? It, it can't hurt, right? It, it can't and hurt. Daddy's too criminal to make you horny. <laughs> Those t-shirts will be just flying off the shelves. But but don't throw them in the trash. No, no. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Wear them on your shirts. On your body. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This, this all makes sense. Maybe I hope you have a good day. Well, I hope that you do as well. Thank you again for offering this uh, awareness to our listeners. I got to go screw on some trash can lids way too tight now. (laughs) Your work is never done. So wait, seriously, how how long does this show go on? How many episodes are there? (laughs) I told you this, right? So it goes to season seven of the original run, but then there's the re- the reboot season. So there's how many reboot seasons? Just the one so far. So far. Okay. But there's also, but then Mary, there's the, the Amazon has the true story of Melrose Place movie that we should cover. Oh God. How long? Yeah. And, and uh, Models Inc. has to be covered too. Wait, what the hell is Models Inc.? It's a two-season spinoff. Of what? What did they? Of, of Melrose Place from the lady from Dynasty was on it, I think. The lady from Dynasty, my God, this was like a whole industry. And I do think nine hundred two one zero to get to understand where this show came from is probably worth exploring. I I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> and then when Allison left, she went to Ellie McBeal. Does it have anything to do with the contents of Melrose Place? I just feel like, how do you really want to be an expert in this or not? I mean, I think you know the answer to that. Okay, so we're in for all of it. Oh, God.